Welcome to the Bible Breakdown. It's a black man and woman in America who no longer identify as believers. This show contains adult languages, themes, and isn't meant for children. As black people, we respect the history of the black church in America, but its current state is massively abusive and we think the Bible might be part of the problem. Listen and let us know what you think. Peace. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown. I'm your host, Kat. And I am TK. Hello, TK. Good morning. I'm just going to say it. Good morning, TK. Um, some people feel like the word morning is a negative. That's only because they don't understand homophones. <laughs> I know they in say, English. They say supreme rising. It, they say what? They say supreme rising. Or grand oh, rising. there it is. Grand rising. I've never been a fan of that. Um, I feel like a lot of times men would say that to me thinking I'm like that type of girl. Because I feel like the grand rising people are usually also the Zodiac people. So um, I'm like, I'm not on any of that. I'm like, just say good morning. Like, it just means daytime. I just say morning because... Or how about a, Buenos Dias? Like, we should try to be more bilingual I mean, I anyway. I say that too. But I say morning because we should, you know, it's up to you to decide if it's good or not. Yeah, like a lot of, they're even spelled different. Like, they're different words. So, um, for people who don't know what we're talking about, some people say, like, when you say good morning, it sounds like you're saying good. Like, they're thinking about the morning as in mourning for a loved one who died or something. Um, but it's like, no, it's just how English works sometimes certain sounds mean different things and I don't think we can it it really just depends on what your intentions are it's like kind of because what are your feelings on use of the n-word that's a oh funny you should ask thank Um, you I'm pretty funny (laughs) well because in one of the things I do with the social justice theater um, people is we have to, we have a scenario where a white person says the n word to a black person, and obviously the black person is upset, and the white person doesn't understand why they have to use it. And then in the talkbacks, we usually talk about like, is it okay ever for a white person to say the word one, or anybody who's non-black? And then um, also the other side of that is, are black people okay with? people saying it and some people surprisingly say yes and some people surprisingly say no um i'm not okay with it i don't think I, i'm not wait what are you I'm not, not o- what are you not okay i'm with? not okay with i'm not okay with anyone who's non-black saying the n-word got you and why um, do you feel that way because dr martin luther king malcolm x people like that didn't die so white people could casually walk around saying it like that's just personally I mean, how i feel nope so way you can convince it to me otherwise. They did not, like, they fucking gave their lives, so. I mean, I agree with you on the general point of use of the word, but I think it's like any other, because it's, how should I describe it? I don't think it's just because Malcolm X and Martin Luther King died. Even before they died, I don't think it was okay. Oh, um, no, 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 I just pulled um, But, out, but I mean, but I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, my reasoning for it is, given the history of it, Um, Because when people are like, well, why can some people say it and other people can't? It's very similar to other words. Like, it's it's almost like a nickname. 
you know how like in scenarios where your family can call you a nickname but if your friends in the school or neighborhood call you that they're doing it to you know it's with mocking it's not in a loving way Mm -hmm. um to me it's similar to that because what are your intentions because when and and let's make it clear I can't use that word around every black person either. Like for a lot of black people, they don't want to hear it out of my mouth either. Yeah. And I'm sensitive to that because I'm aware of the history of the word. It was used to dehumanize an entire population of people. So I understand that. But I also understand how you can take things back and try to lessen their power. And to me, it is a reminder of what happened to us. And so since we didn't get any reparations, like the one thing, it's like you want to take the one thing we have. And so, um, and also it, it wipes out a history in a way. I don't like it when people try to erase it from, uh, for instance, like um, what's the Mark Twain book that has it? Like there's the character. Oh, uh, We're going to use the word nignog because that's actually a slur in Britain. But I think it's hilarious. Like Nignogs doesn't it doesn't sound menacing enough to really be a slur, but it is. But like let's just say in Nignog Jim, I don't uh, think was it Huckleberry fan? Perhaps. That's the, why I was Tom Sawyer, one of those. I don't know which one it was, but yes, basically there's a character called Nignog Jim. And um to me, historically, that sounds accurate. Like in the South, I think that would have been a descriptor. And I think he was a historian as well. I don't think erasing accuracy does anyone any favors. At the same time, I think using it to be provocative isn't thoughtful enough. Like there's lots of ways to be provocative without um, using something that doesn't belong to you. It's also kind of like the word bitch. You know how sometimes women will be like, bitch, in a way that I wouldn't take that from someone I don't know man or woman if they were you know just coming up to me calling me bitch it's like yo chill out so i think we should just um not act like oh i think there is an argument there though even though i say that word i probably have said it on the show many times because it's definitely in my lexicon for sure but um other ethnicities you don't really casually hear them running around calling each other slurs well Um, because there's no other population in history that had what happened to us happen to them there's obviously been slavery all over the world and there still is slavery you fucking hate the jews okay no but like (laughs) but like i said but because no that is literally that is i know that's that accusation but because it's like like i said if amongst our population nothing like that has ever happened precisely like because and also because our history isn't taught like American history isn't properly taught so people just think um, American slavery was an aggressive jobs program that black people didn't want to do because they're lazy Um, and you know this sort of alternative history that we were given valuable (laughs) skills and it was a way for our families to to stay together which is not true at all for one black people were useful before slavery so that's an insult to you know use that and our families were not able to stay together there was concerted effort to keep families apart because that anything that gives a person any kind of stability was stripped away from 
uh, and I don't even sometimes like using the word black because I feel like everybody's black, really. Like every single person on this planet is descended from, you know, very dark African people. And we've just gotten diversity over, you know, thousands of years of. What's that? There are different demographics. We look different. And so, therefore, populations. I like using scientific language around it because people like. What's to the difference the word, between population and demographic? Demographic um, doesn't necessarily. It's not as um, precise. I'll put it that way. Like populations is a way to describe okay. not only just because a demographic could be uh, an info point that could you mean women. But that doesn't necessarily hone in on where you're from. In a population, that means where you're from. So that's why I, I like to use precise language around this because imprecise language is weaponized against us. Like the use of the word race. Um, that no, I, feel, I still feel like somebody will find a way to flip population. But regardless, for the purposes of this discussion, there are different populations. You can tell that there are different populations and therefore it is okay to notice that there are different populations and act accordingly. Just don't act with hate. And, and I like to bring up the fact, um, I, I, it's very similar to the, um, LGBTQ plus community that, um, they have terms that have been slurs that they've reappropriated and used amongst oh, yeah, themselves sure. that I don't think it's appropriate as someone is, you know, I don't identify as that. So I don't think it's okay for me to playfully use that. Whereas it doesn't bother me when amongst themselves they do because, yeah, they have a shared history around that word that I don't. And also, <clears throat> I've also thought about that as well. So I think it just depends on what angle you go from. Um, I've noticed about myself with that word. My reaction when the population of whites says it is actually i've done pretty good i've done pretty good i because i try to operate with okay maybe they've never been you know maybe 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 they don't know what the fuck is going on yeah so i try not to turn into a nigga you know i try to a, a guy who i consider a good friend of mine um who's a white guy uh he was telling a story and he didn't have in his story he didn't have to say the n-word but he used it mm. and i was he the only it. black i was the only black person there and in my mind i was like man i could like really just give it to this guy i was like but he is i consider him a friend and i was like okay how do i handle this and i was just like hey i was like that was a cool story man i was like yeah don't say the n word mm-hmm. and he was like oh okay man sorry right and i just was like and then we just and, let it and go. And like I said, and it's different from per- black person to black person. There are plenty of black people who don't mind when white people use it. No, and I absolutely mind. And, <laughs> I absolutely but, I'm, mind. but I'm not one of those black people. So, and like I said, I think I would just communicate that if I was in a similar situation where, I mean, I have been in those situations, but it wasn't friendly. <laughs> so and, it was. And I'll say, he only got that grace because I know his character a bit. And he's seemingly a decent guy. Sure. If this and this was just some fucking rando that, on the street. I yeah, probably in my situation, it was a rando who was kind of trying to make a point. So, um, yeah. So, okay, good talk. Wait, what's your situation? Did you? 
Somebody I was you a actually, um, well, no, he didn't call me a nigger. He used it around me. So I was actually yeah. at the time um, seeing someone who we could, I don't even really like using the term oh. white. I was seeing oh. someone who we would consider white. <laughs> and I was in awkward. the, and I was in the car with him. And one of his friends like came in, was talking to him through the window. And he was relaying a story about where he had an encounter with a nignog. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, because he was trying to provoke a reaction and I just wasn't going to give it to him because I'm like, I don't even know you and this isn't important enough. So it's like, yeah, I'm if I had to better than me, I am better than you. Thank you for noticing. Okay, so last time on the Bible breakdown, um, David committed adultery with Bathsheba and God punished the baby for that. And um, but then he got over it and let them have a kid. And um, yeah, that's what I took from it. What about you? Uh, let me check my notes here. And by notes, I mean my searches and barred. Um, yeah, it's pretty accurate. Let me wait. I got to go back to 12. We talked about oh yep he committed yeah I mean you said it all he committed adultery he had more war and killing too don't forget that with because the oh I'm yeah you're right Arameans he kind of uh set that whole thing up and played chess to get what he wanted yeah yeah he totally set that dude up it was not cool at all. And um, just as a reminder, we read the New Revised Standard Version of uh, the Bible if you want to follow along. But if not, he'll just read it to you. Second Samuel 13, Amnon and Tamar. Some time passed. David's son Absalom had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar and David's son Amnon fell in love with her. Amnon was so tormented that he made himself ill because of his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin and it seemed impossible to Amnon to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of David's brother, Shimea, and Jonadab was a very crafty man. He said to him, O son of the king, why are you so haggard morning after morning? Will you not tell me? Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Jonadab said to him, lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, let my sister Tamar come and give me something to eat and prepare the food in my sight so that I may see it and eat it from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to him, Amnon said to the king, please let my sister Tamar come and make a cup of cakes in my sight so that I may eat it from my hand. Then David sent home to Tamar saying, actually, could you give me that line one more time? Start it. Please let my sister Tamar. Please let my sister Tamar come and make a couple of cakes in my sight, so that I may eat. So I may eat it from her hand. Then David said, "Home." Uh, then David sent home to Tamar, saying, "Go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him." So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, where he was lying down. She took dough, kneaded it, made cakes in his sight, and baked the cakes. Then she took the pan and set them out before him. But he refused to eat. Amnon said, send out everyone from me. So everyone went out from him. 
Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the chamber so that I may eat from your hand. So Tamar took the cakes she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon and her brother. But when she brought them near him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, come lie with me, my sister. Come lie with me, my sister. She answered him, no, my brother, do not force me for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do so. Do, Do not do anything so vile. As for me, where could I carry my shame? And as for you, you would be as one of the scoundrels in Israel. Now, therefore, I beg you, speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. But he would not listen to her. But he would not listen to her. And being stronger than she, he forced her and lay with her. Then Amnon was then Amnon was seized with a great then Amnon was seized with a very great loathing for her. Indeed, his loathing was very great. Indeed, his loathing was even greater than the lust he had felt for her. Amnon said to her, get out. But she said to him, no, my brother, for this wrong wrong in sending me away is greater than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. He called the young man who served him and said, put this woman out of my presence and bolt the door after her. Now she was wearing a long robe with sleeves, for this is how the virgin daughter of the kings were clothed in earlier times. So his servant put her out and bolted the door after her. But Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the long robe that she was wearing. She put her hand on her head and went away, crying aloud as she went. Her brother Absalom said to her, Has Amnon your brother been with you? Be quiet for now, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take Do not take this to heart so tamar so tamar remained a desolate woman in her brother absalom's house when king david heard of all these things he became very angry but he would not punish his son amnon because he loved him for he was his firstborn but absalom spoke to amnon neither good nor bad for absalom hated amnon because he had raped his sister tamar absalom avenges the violation of his sister after two full years absalom had sheep herders at Balhazor, Balhazor, which is near Ephraim. And Absalom invited all the king's sons. Absalom came to the king and said, Your servant has sheep shears with the king and his servants. Please go with your and your servant has sheep shears with the king and his servants. Please go with your servant. But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, let us not all go or else we will be burdensome to you. He pressed him, but he would not go, but gave him his blessing. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. The king said to him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom pressed pressed him until he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Absalom made a feast like a king's feast. Then Absalom commanded his servants, Watch when Amnon's heart is merry with wine. And when I say to you, strike Amnon, then kill him. Do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you? Have I not commanded you? Be careful. Have I be not cor- myself commanded you? Oh, okay. Have I not myself commanded you? Be courageous and valiant. So the servants of Absalom did to Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons rose and each mounted his mule and fled. While they were on their way, the report came to David and Absalom had killed all the king's sons and had not one of them was, and not one of them was left the king rose tore his garments and lay on the ground and all his servants who were standing by tore their garments 
But Jonadab, the son of David's brother Shimea, said, Let not my lord suppose that they have killed all the young men, the king's sons. Amnon alone is dead. This has been determined by Absalom from the day Amnon raped his sister Tamar. Now, therefore, do not let my lord, the king, take it to heart, as if all the king's sons were dead, for Amnon's, for Amnon alone is dead. But Absalom fled. When the young man who kept watch looked up, he saw many people coming from the Horanaim, Horanaim road by the side of the mountain. Jonadab said to the king, See, the king's sons have come, as your servant said, so it has come about. As soon as he had finished speaking, the king's sons arrived and raised their voices and wept. And the king and all the servants also wept very bitterly. But Absalom fled and went to Tamal, son of uh, Amihud, king of Gesher. David mourned for his son day after day. Absalom, having fled to Gesher, stayed there three years. And the heart of the king went out, yearning for Absalom. For he was now consoled over the death of Amnon. Thanks be. That was a doozy. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. There is. So it's interesting. We This is the second Tamar in the Bible. Like, we don't get a lot of named women in the Bible. So it's kind of interesting that there's two with the same name. And it's another story about sex. I wonder what the name Tamar means, because I'm wondering, too, if it was just maybe like a stand in for like maybe Jane Doe or something. Mm. Um, but um, it was pretty messed up. There's a lot of incest and rape. So very Game of Thronesy again. Tamar. Uni yeah. In Hebrew. OK, Tamar Hebrew is a female name of Hebrew origin, meaning date, the fruit, date palm or just palm tree. Oh, there are actually three characters in the Bible with this name. Oh, we haven't gotten to that. Interesting. But I, I do feel very bad name. for Tamar. Um, it's already super sad that, you know, being raped by anyone is terrible. But I feel like it's always especially bad when it's a family member, because no matter what, that person's always going to be your family. Um and the fact that her dad was just kind of like, oh, I don't, I hate to hear that, but I love um, Amnon so much, I don't want to punish him. So once again, another thing I don't like about David, that's another point against him. Um, and Absalom, I don't know if he handled it correctly either, but at least he did something. Mm. What was your take of the story? Um, I mean, I agree with you. First of all, that's fucked up that her brother raped her. Um, well, I get the feeling it was her half brother, but still, that just makes me think of all the step, whatever the fuck. Sex oh, step porn on Pornhub. I don't understand people's obsession with fucking their family members. Like it's. I think it's the taboo of it. I think for some people, especially the way we teach sex as being this dirty, bad thing. So, like, the dirtier and badder it is, the hotter it is. Me, personally, I like, no, you know. I can't, I don't even look at the, ti the, the whatever. The yeah. The I can't even I've, look at the captions. I've had to completely get away from it. Like, the more I learn about sort of the modern porn industry, like, sometimes I can't help but just get sad, and that takes away the mood. 
But um, yeah, it, you know what this also made me think of a little bit? Um, Abraham and Sarah. Because that was uh-huh. a, he was also a sister fucker. Again, why are we reading this book <laughs> and just being like, yeah, do every so single great. thing in this book? And then where was God? Thing? God didn't give a fuck either. Like, you saw God struck down. He killed that baby because David, you know, uh, slept with that guy's wife and set him up. So obviously God can, like, you know, get his own retribution if he wants to. And so he just wasn't that concerned about this girl um who was you know raped in her father's house and the fact that Amnon went through so many hoops even consulted a friend about how to make it happen like he was just he really schemed to make this happen and uh the fact that he took her virginity too that's brutal um and it just it's like when shit like this happens it's like were there not any other women around there had like, to be that's the thing. Oh, but you know what? This um, this was used as sort of a warning growing up about how quick men will lose interest in you after they sleep with you. Because they made it a point. Yeah. Of, after, th- after they rape you. Well, well, whatever. Like, you know, once again, there's no real story to take from this. But when they try to, it's like, yeah, remember, like he hated her afterwards more than he liked her before. That is some twisted, fucked up shit. It to is. Say to, to someone. Yes. That's, fucking, that's fucking wild. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, um, yeah, I, I think that um, a lot of times there's usually no one I feel sorry for in these stories, but I do feel very sorry for Tamar. You know, she didn't. If she that. was even real. I mean, yes, like I said, like within the canon of the story, um, this that was a really sad thing to happen to her. That happens to uh, people all over the globe all the time, and uh, the Bible doesn't have anything for you. Your best case scenario is that maybe a family member in a couple of years might avenge you, but... mm -mm. And we don't even know. She might have gotten pregnant. Who knows? Also, one, why the fuck did it take so long for him to avenge? Well, and that's the thing, too, because I feel like another thing that happens in the Bible is people use, like, you raped my sister as an excuse for violence, because we saw that with, um, was that Jacob's sons? They use that as uh, the rape of Dinah. Was that the Dinah story? Yeah. Dinah, Dinah, yep. Dinah, Dinah. Good job. So, yeah, the rape of Dina, um, where they were like, oh, we got to kill this village because that guy, and that one could have, like, I don't know if that was even described as a rape. It was just like sex outside of marriage, but it would have been viewed as a property crime because you didn't get my consent and pay me before you went went into my daughter. So they felt like they had the right to kill all the men in the town. And so since this is a royal, quote unquote, royal family, um, Absalom might have just wanted to take out Amnon anyway because he was the firstborn son. So he might have wanted a clearer path to the throne and use Tamar the Tamar rape is an excuse you know <laughs> you saying all that made me think of something interesting um, I mean I know the end result is to just have better men in your life but the fact that I grew up around mostly women um, I want I often wonder like had I had my father because my father is very Christian um, you know he always when he talks to me he tells me keep God first and everything like that 
And my father's like very macho too. So I just wonder had my parents stayed together if I would be like that type of guy. Oh, interesting. Um, like growing up in the house with it. Yeah, yeah. But my brother, I mean, maybe not because my brother, my younger brother, he's very, he's very chill. So I don't. But I think also, it has like, more to do with you going to religious school. I feel like going to religious school mm-hmm. really puts people off of religion. Well, no, um, I don't know because my oldest sister, she is very devout Christian. Like she hasn't even had sex. Like she won't. Like she's like I'm saving it to marriage. Da da da. Like she's very like that. She feels like people. And, and she I, went and to she went to religious school. Mm-hmm. She went to Catholic. She school? went to a, she went yes she went to okay. a better religious school than than we did. Okay. Um, she. And I, to a certain degree, I do kind of understand where she comes from. Not from the religious standpoint, but me and her kind of talked about, like, sex and stuff like that. And she was just like, hey, I feel like people who, like, always want to engage in sex, it's very, like, low vibrational, low low frequency. Sure. And, and I, I remember like, I when I was young, I wanted to abstain, too. But, well, as you know, I was in Promise to Keep. And it was really, like, me personally, I wasn't ready for sex yet, but it gave it more legitimacy to say like I'm saving it for Jesus because then no one gave any pushback but if I just said me personally I don't want to have sex I don't think I would have gotten as much respect around like I said like you always have to have some man around your sexuality if people are going to respect the boundaries yeah uh, I don't I just this is it's icky and gross this is a a nasty subject in that sense of the control of people's sex and then taking, like raping people. Like I don't, I don't know. I never yeah. understood the wanting to rape somebody type thing. Well, you know, I don't think it's very rational. So I mean, because um, like, I mean, I, in my day to day life, like I see women all the time that I would love to have sex with, but like, I don't want to force. Like to me, when you when you force anyone to do anything, it kind of takes the joy out of it. A little bit. But that's only if you see not, other, yeah, like to me, part of the turn on is like, oh, wow, this person really wants me. Yeah. But yeah, without that, it's yeah, not it's it's just no fun. But I'm going to go ahead and jump into Second Samuel 14. Absalom returns to Jerusalem. Now, Joab, son of Zerula, perceived that the king's mind was on Absalom. Joab said Tekoa and brought from their wise woman. She said, he said to her, pretend to be a mourner, put on mourning garments, do not anoint yourself with oil, but behave like a woman who's been mourning for many days for the dead. Go to the king and speak to him as follows. And Joab put the words into her mouth. The woman of Tekoa came to the king. She fell on her face on the ground and did obeisance and said, help, O king. The king asked her, what is your trouble? She answered, alas, I am a widow. My husband is dead. Your servant had two sons, and they fought with one another in the field. There was one. There was no one to part them, and one struck the other and killed him. Now the whole family has risen against your servant. They say, give up the man who struck his brother, so that we may kill him for the life of his brother whom he murdered, even if we destroy the heir as well. Thus they would quelch my one remaining ember and leave to my husband neither name nor remnant on the face of the earth. Then the king said to the woman, Go to your house and I will give orders concerning you. 
the woman of Tekoa said to the king, On me be the guilt, my lord the king, and on my father's house let the king and his throne be guiltless. The king said, If anyone says anything to you, bring him to me, and he shall never touch you again. Then she said, Please, may the king keep the Lord your God in mind, so that the avenger of blood may kill no more, and my son not be destroyed. He said, As the Lord lives, not one hair of your son shall fall to the ground. Then the woman said, Please, let your servant speak a word to my lord the king. He said, Speak. The woman said, why then have you planned such a thing against the people of God? For in giving this decision, the king convicts himself insomuch as the king does not bring his banished one home again. We must all die. We are like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up. But God will not take away a life. He will devise plans so as not to keep an outcast banished forever from his presence. Now, I have come to say this to my lord the king because I, because... Because the people have made me afraid, your servant thought, I will speak to the king. It may be that the king will perform the request of his servant, for the king will hear and deliver his servant from the hand of the man who cut both me and my son from my son off from the heritage of God. Your servant thought, the word of my lord the king will set me at rest, for my lord the king is like an angel of God, discerning good and evil. The Lord your God be with you. Then the king answered the woman, Do not withhold from me anything I ask you. The woman said, Let my lord the king speak. The king said, Is this the hand of Joab with you in all this? The woman answered and said, As surely as you live, my lord the king, one cannot turn right or left from anything that my lord the king has said, for it was your servant Joab who commanded me. It was he who put all these words into the mouth of your servant. In order to change the course of affairs, your servant Joab did this. But my Lord has wisdom, like the wisdom of the angel of God, to know all things that are on the earth. Then the king said to Joab, Very well, I grant this. Go, bring back the young man Absalom. Joab prostrated himself with his face on the ground and did obeisance and blessed the king. And Joab said, Today your servant knows that I have found favor in your sight, my lord the king. And the king has granted the request of his servant. So Joab set off, went to Geshur, and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. The king said, Let him go to his own house. He is not coming to my presence. So Absalom went into his own house and did not come into the king's presence. David forgives Absalom. Now in all Israel there was no one to be praised so much for his beauty as Absalom. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head there was no blemish in him. When he cut the hair of his head, for at the end of every year he used to cut it, when it was heavy on him he cut it. it he weighed the hair of his head 200 shekels by the king's weight. There were born to Absalom three sons and one daughter whose name was Tamar. She was a beautiful woman. So Absalom lived two full years in, in Jerusalem without coming into the king's presence. Then Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king, but Joab would not come to him. He sent a second time, but Joab would not come. Then he said to his servants, Look, Joab's field is next to mine, and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. So Absalom's servants set fire to set the field on fire. Then Joab rose and went to Absalom's house and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? Absalom answered Joab, Look, I sent word to you. Come here that I may send you to the king with a question. Why have I come from Geshur? It would be better for me to be there still. Now let him go to the king's presence. If there is guilt in me, let him kill me. 
Then Joab went to the king and told him, and he summoned Absalom. So he came to the king and prostrated himself with his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. Thanks be to God. Ooh, that was a lot. A lot of yeah, it was. Gave me uh, Michael Fredo vibes. You know, with the beef between the brothers, definitely. Um, Absalom does seem to have a bit of a... Um, I don't know, maybe a short fuse. Okay. <laughs> and we learned he was super hot and had some really thick hair. Yes. Yes. And I, he named uh, his daughter and he named his daughter Tamar. I got from this. I mean, well, okay, so because I co- I totally lost you there, so I had to actually figure out what the hell was going on, but um. Yeah, so they basically tricked David into forgiving Absalom is what I'm getting from this. Yeah, it's kind of the same way Nathan set him up with the whole Uriah thing. where He's like, let me tell you the story. Now, who's fucked up in the story? And David's like, apparently the guy who took the other guy's lamb. It's like, yeah, that was you. And it's like the <laughs> same thing here. What was like, ha ha. Like the story they had this woman tell to be like, okay, let's reconcile the brothers. You know, when moments like this happen to David, kind of diminishes his greatness to me. I mean, we all what have greatness? Once again, I don't think he was great at all. That was. I just mean, I'm propaganda. talking about great in the terms of how people have talked about him. Not great in the terms of what you and I discuss, but like how he 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 in, I guess, historical context, is this revered figure of the Bible. But when like moments like this happens to like where he has to be taught a lesson it's like i mean yeah we all obviously learn every day but it's just the way that it's done it makes him seem like a fucking kid once again to me all of these people seem like dehydrated sheep herders who are also incestuous so that's why to me this was never worth paying a ton of attention to morally or ethically they also had unwashed assholes there was no indoor plumbing Okay. about how much everyone's just ugh, how gross everyone must have looked and smelled except for Absalom Absalom was super hot in a, in a dirty hippie short sort of way yeah um, yeah but hey at least they were circumcised I don't <laughs> I don't have much with this but the propaganda of themes according to Bard from this particular um chapter is that we learn about the power of manipulation family and forgiveness and justice and mercy Um, those are supposed to be what we should take from this cool um all right (laughs) (laughs) okay i mean quite honestly i think if somebody kills their brother i think you know being banished for two years is actually a pretty light punishment was it two years? I can't remember the exact amount. It was just a couple years, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and also, too, it was really fucked up that Joab got his field set on fire. Like, that's the only way you could get his attention, like, to set his barley fields on fire. Like, there's probably some people who ended up starving off of that. So, like, yeah, Absalom. 
I'm once again I I do lightly remember the story, but of course it was a long time ago when I read it. So now that I'm reading it again, I'm like, yeah, this Absalon character, I I it sounds to me like he's a bit of a um uh jerk. <laughs> Um, he's obviously not as big of a jerk as Amnon you know he's not a rapist but he is um, a murderer and an arsonist yes 2 Samuel 15 Absalom usurps the throne after this Absalom got himself a chariot and horses and 50 men to run ahead of him Absalom used to rise early and stand beside uh, Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the road into the gate. And when anyone brought a suit before the king for judgment, Absalom will call out and say, From what city are you? When the person said, Your servant is of such and such a tribe in Israel, Absalom would say, See, your claims are good and right. For there is no one deputed, deputed by the king. Yeah, deputed by the king to hear you. Absalom said, Moreover, if only I were judge in the land. Then all who had a suit or a cause might come to me, and I would give them justice. When, whenever people came near to do obeisance to him, he would put out his hand and take hold of them and kiss them. Thus Absalom did to every Israelite who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the people of Israel. At the end of four, at the end of four years, Absalom said to the king, "Please let me go to Hebron and pay the vow that I have made to the Lord. For your servant made a vow while I was in Geshur and Aram." If the Lord will indeed bring me back to Jerusalem, then I will worship the Lord in Hebron. The king said to him, go in peace. So he got up and went to Hebron. And Absalom sent secret messages, secret messengers throughout all the tribes of Israel saying, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then shall Absalom has become king at Hebron. 200 men from Jerusalem went with Absalom. They were invited guests and they went in their innocence, knowing nothing of the matter. While Absalom was offering the sacrifices, he sent for Ahithophel, the Gilanite, David's counselor from his city, Gila. The conspiracy grew in strength, and the people with Absalom kept increasing. David flees from Israel. A messenger came to David, saying, The hearts of the Israelites have gone after Absalom. Then David said to all his officials who were with him at Jerusalem, Get up, let us flee, or there will be no escape for us from Absalom. Hurry, or we will soon overtake us and bring disaster down upon us and attack this city with the edge of the sword. The king's officials said to the king, Your servants are ready to do whatever our lord the king decides. So the king left, followed by all his household except ten concubines whom he left behind the look after the house. The king left, followed by all the people, and they stopped at the last house. All his officials passed by him, and all the Cherethites, and all the Pelethites, and all the 600 Gittites who had followed him from Gath passed on before the king. The king said to Ittai the Gittite, Why are you also coming with us? Go back and stay with the king, for you are a foreigner and also an exile from your home. You came only yesterday, and shall I and shall I today make you wander about with us while I go wherever I can? Go back and take your kinsfolk with you. And may and may the Lord show you 
And may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you. But Ittai answered the king, As the Lord lives, and as my lord the king lives, wherever my lord the king may be, whether for death or for life, there also your servant will be. David said to Ittai, Go then, march on. So Ittai the Gittite marched on with all his men and all the little ones who were with him. The whole country wept aloud as all the people passed by. The king crossed the Wadi Kidron, and all the people moved on toward the wilderness. Abiathar came up, and Zadok also with all the Levites, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They sent down. They set down the Ark of God until the people had all passed out of the city. Then the king said to Zadok, Carry the Ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring it back and let me see both it and place where it stays. But if he says, I take no pleasure in you, here I am, let him do to me what seems good to him. The king also said to the priest Zadok, Look, go back to the city in, the, in peace, you and Abiathar, with your two sons, uh, Ahimaaz, your son, and Jonathan, son of Abiathar. See, I will wait at the fords of the wilderness until word comes from you to inform me. So Zadok and Abiathar carried the ark of God back to Jerusalem and they remained there. But when David uh, but David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives and weeping as he went with his head covered and walking barefoot and all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up weeping as they went. David was told that uh, at the Ahithophel was among the conspirators with Absalom. David And David said, O Lord, I pray you, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Hushai becomes David's spy. When David came to the summit where God was worshipped, Hushai the archite came to meet him with his coat torn and earth on his head. David said to him, If you go on with me, you will be a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I have been your father's servant in, in, my, in time past, so now I will be your servant. Then you will defeat Then you will defeat for me the council of Hithophel. The priests Zadok and Abiathar will be with you there. So whatever you hear from the king's house, tell it to the priests Zadok and Abiathar. Their two sons are with them there, Zadok's son Ahab. Ahamaz and Abiathar's son Jonathan, and by them you shall report to me everything you hear. So Hushai, David's friend, came into the city just as Absalom was entering Jerusalem. See? Thanks be to God. Um, David wasn't playing that shit, man. He wasn't letting that shit ride. Yeah, but he still got put out of his house. I mean, yeah. You know, like um, Absalom... Yeah, I think this is lending more evidence to my theory that Absalom killed Amnon to clear a path to the throne. <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes sense. But, I'm yeah, there ain't no forgiveness, though. Like, they patched it up, but they didn't really patch it up. Yeah, it's like, we ain't good, good, but we still good. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, once again, not seeing a ton of, like, morality here. Um, it was mostly just a lot of revenge and um, attention-seeking and, um, and, and I guess there was less violence than usual. There was just the one murder. <laughs> 
but it yeah. was fratricide, which you know you hate to see. What does that mean again? Fratricide is when a brother kills a brother. Okay. All right. Yeah. You know, very Cain and Abel. It happens. Um, so next time on the Bible breakdown, it looks like uh, we'll be learning about David's adversaries. Shimei oh, so curses many. David. The Council of Ahithophel. Looks like there was some foreshadowing about that. The Council of Hushai. Hushai warns David to escape. And then, bum, 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 the defeat, spoilers, the defeat and death of Absalom. That was a spoiler. I mean, it's right there. So, sorry, <laughs> this happened uh, maybe five, 6,000 years ago. So, shouldn't, <laughs> I don't think it's I no can It's no longer a spoiler. Huh? <laughs> I said it's no longer a spoiler. Yeah, it's no longer a spoiler. Um, but, yeah. Um, what? I, I I don't even have anything. The idea that we take any of this seriously is like becoming sadder and sadder by the reading. Well, I was thoroughly entertained today, so. Yeah, I mean it was entertaining, but it's definitely I, I mean it's I mean it, everything that's entertaining isn't necessarily what we should live our lives by. No, but I've learned that people rally around a good story. They do. I feel like a lot of people put a lot of loyalty and bias towards their entertainers. We see a lot with people mm -hmm. who Good don't want to stop supporting um, people who are known like uh, rapists and abusers because they've entertained them for so long. And again, good story. Also in sports, like yeah, sports without sports media would not be as entertaining. Like sure. they create the narratives and stuff like that, and it it. it propels us to go watch these things so i i get it and, and as somebody who's into story and narrative and stuff like that is definitely like part of the reason i you know engage with certain things yeah i think it's just a natural bias that people have that we need to bury we need to be aware of and not necessarily indulge and feed into because i think i fall prey to it as well but it's something i know that doesn't really make our world better and it's better to just um, acknowledge, like, this person may have been entertaining and talented, but it's not necessarily something that I should emulate or look up to. So, no, even though the Bible's got its moments, it's still, We've it's still had this not, talk it's, before, it's not, though. it's not bearing out as a moral guide. I f again, I feel like just compartmentalizing is better. But it's uh, compartmentalizing things is fine as long as you're realizing that. Once again, I, I just think there's better things to take these lessons from. Like I don't, I don't, because even with this, like, what lesson did you get from these three chapters that you couldn't have gotten from a better source? None. Right. So. But That's, to be I'm, fair, we're reading. This is. No, I really got to go, though. I know. I just want to make this last point. To be okay. fair, this was this text came before all of the things that I, in a modern sense, would be pulling that information from. What? No, there's so, older texts than this. Like, there's better stuff even from this era. Like, we just, this just got selected because the Catholic Church liked it best. But there, there were better examples of morality what? even back in these times. What? Like, um, 
the Bhagavad Gita. Like, there's different traditions all over the world that still had storytelling and narratives that were better than this. This one just got priority because of the Catholic Church. Well, we'll put a pin in that until okay. next time because I don't have a rebuttal to get <laughs> to, to put. In, all right. But so, um, yeah. goodbye, everybody. Your body belongs to you. All right. BibleBreakdown at gmail.com. Be curious, not judgmental, and get mental health therapy. Bye.